New Food with Warty, episode 109. For links and more, please visit the show notes at knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 109. See you there. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Know Your Food with Warty. I'm Warty in Southwest Oregon, a traditional food blogger at ganalfglins.com and knowyourfoodpodcast.com. I'm glad you're here. This is the podcast where we're all about ditching those poisonous processed foods, breaking free from the conventional food paradigm, and instead embracing whole foods raised, saved, and prepared with traditional methods. It's fun, it's delicious, and it's healthy. You're on your way to looking good, feeling good, and most importantly, doing good. Welcome, everyone. I'm so happy you're joining me. And I hope you're noticing that my episode sounds different. And that's because I've been doing some sound work. Well, not me, but my friend Steve from Absolute Sound in Roseburg, Oregon, has met me a couple times at my new office space where I'm doing some filming and audio work. Um, I can tell you about that in a bit. Anyway, he's met me out here a couple times to help me set up this microphone I've had for three years that I've never used because I couldn't get it to work right. So he's given me the right equipment and some like foam to absorb excess sound in this space and uh, configured the mixer and all the dials and everything. Showed me how to do it right. And so I'd love to hear your feedback um, on the sound. How does it sound? Um, I'm listening to it on my headset and I feel like it's never sounded so good. I'm very thrilled with the results and this is just the first time I've used it. I mean, literally the first time I've used it besides testing. So it can only get better from here. So let me just conclude this by saying a big thank you to Steve. He does a lot of work for churches in Douglas County. Um, so he was the sound guy that I knew I could call, and he's been very friendly, very informative, giving me all kinds of sound tips and lessons, and of course, configuring everything so it sounds good. So thank you, Steve. And I'll give you a little bit of background since I just brought it up. Well, about a couple of weeks ago, I decided to look for an office space in town where I could come at least one day a week and have some devoted large blocks of time when I was fresh and felt productive and of course I could plan ahead with what I wanted to do to do audio recordings like my podcast or when I have to do um, voiceovers for videos. Half of this little room is a film set so I have some uh, director's chairs I found and a little table I put together and you know lights and tripod with the uh, with the camera so that I can sit down and visit with you. So I, I, I hope you plan to um, come back because you're going to see the fruits of all that here soon in the next few weeks on YouTube, on the Traditional Cooking School blog, and of course, inside the members area for Traditional Cooking School. I am very excited about this step um, because, as you know, if you have a family, it's challenging to find... Um, especially a family in a small home. It's challenging to find extended blocks of time when you can do quiet work. And my family is very accommodating. It just got to the point where I had so much to do that needed extended blocks of time that I was looking at having to stay up all night regularly. 
if I wanted to accomplish what I needed to do. So getting an office space made sense. So I found this great place, a historic building in Roseburg, and the whole upstairs is devoted to small business owners who just kind of sub-license one room and have a little um, a yellow office that's in uh, a quieter corner of the building. And I have a, a sign that I hang on the door when I'm recording, so it's up there right now. In fact, if you want to check out my Instagram feed, you'll see several pictures because the last few weeks I've been posting the progress. So you want to look for uh, Instagram.com slash School, T-R-A-D-C-O-O-K, school. And you'll see several pictures. I've been sharing the progress. So I am very thrilled to be visiting with you today from this new little sound studio that Steve helped me, actually that he did, he put together in this office space. Okay, well, we have some great information for you today, so I better get to it. First is the tip of the week. And this actually comes from Lindsay. Lindsay is a contributing writer at the Traditional Cooking School blog, and just recently she gave us 14 great tips for things you can do today to save yourself time in the kitchen this week. 14 great tips. Now, I'm not going to give you all 14 because this is a tip of the week, so that's singular. I'm just going to give you one of them. It's my favorite. And it is to... Um, to brown yourself some ground meat with onions. Do a lot of it. Do enough for three or four or five meals, or however many meals worth you need for this whole coming week. So if you need to thaw eight pounds of ground beef, five pounds, whatever, thaw it and brown it with onions. You could even season it up with your standard seasonings. Like for instance, I always use salt, pepper, and garlic when we do brown um, ground meat. So season it up. And then what you're going to do is portion it out. So you'll use some tonight in whatever you're making, and then you're going to uh, divvy up the rest into meal-sized portions. So if you're going to do chili or spaghetti or tacos or burritos or like rice bowls, whatever you're going to do, you, you know, one to two size portions. And if some of them are going to be several days away, of course, you could freeze those portions. So that is something you can do today that will literally, it could be browning itself while you're doing the dishes or feeding your starter. You know, you're in the kitchen for something else and it's going to save you time all week. So I'm sure you're curious what the other 13 tips are. So you can visit knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash today. And that'll give you all 14 tips of things you can do today to save time in the kitchen this week. And now it's time for our listener question. This comes from Nicole. She says, I am really enjoying the podcast. Thank you for taking the time to share. I also have been implementing a morning routine, not a natural thing for me, and seeing great results. It still isn't easy to get up early. I'm hoping that will come. But I can accomplish much more in my day by starting earlier, and I can better serve my family. Thank you so much for starting out your question with that, Nicole. That was great feedback. And I'm going to stop before I hit your question just to tell everyone that a recent episode, number 107, was where I talked about how to start your day and the importance of a morning routine. And so, Nicole, I am just so blessed to hear that you're trying it and that it's helping you better serve your family. God bless you for that. Now let's go on to Nicole's question. My question is about milk. I have five boys, ages 1 through 10, 
and they love milk. However, our sources for raw milk are hard to access and very expensive. And I am hours away from the farms and haven't been able to visit them, which makes me uncomfortable. I am really struggling with the cost-benefit equation. Even our options for grass-fed, pasteurized, non-homogenized is $12 a gallon. What would you do in my situation? Someday we would love a dairy cow, but we are waiting for the right timing and property. Until then, I don't know what to feed my children. I don't like feeling guilty about store-bought milk. However, our budget can't handle what they can and probably should consume. Thanks for your time. Nicole, that's a wonderful question, and I really appreciate your honesty in the struggle. And I know that there are so many people in your situation, and we have been there as well. You want to raise a milk cow. You can't really do it yet. Um, and you're just weighing the options of what you have available and trying to make the best choice for your family. So I have some suggestions for you. Um, the first one is see if you can investigate some other milk options. And this is not, I'm not saying to, I'll get to it, I'm not saying to give up the milk that you're buying now. I'm just saying investigate other milk options like homemade nut milk or coconut milk. They can be very tasty uh, in the right dishes. You know, it's not always going to go with everything. But why don't you and your boys explore some of those and see if there's one that you like. And if there is one that you like, you could consider dressing it up like with a little bit of stevia or honey, maple syrup, pinch of salt, some vanilla extract. You could make some wonderful homemade milk alternatives. You can use them to make ice cream, puddings, custards on your cereal. So just try branching out and see what you and your boys will like. Um, one of my particular favorites is almond milk. I also really like um, coconut milk. You can do chia seed milk. You can do hemp seed milk. There's so many options. So that was my first tip for you, suggestion. The second one is um, whatever milk you're buying now locally, um, you don't feel really good about. Well, make sure you're picking the best one that you can locally and then ferment it you know, maybe most of what they're consuming, fermented into yogurt or kefir. Because fermenting or culturing milk makes it better because the culture that you introduce, the fermenting organisms, um, will, like, pre-digest the lactose. They'll introduce beneficial acids. They'll make enzymes that help you digest the milk. Um, you'll get better mineral absorption. So, And then, of course, you'll get the probiotic benefits. So when you're making an when you're taking sub-quality milk and you're fermenting it, you're making it better so you can feel better about feeding it to your boys. I do want to say that if you can possibly choose an organic, though store-bought, option, that will at least ensure that the cows, even if they're not grass-fed, that will at least ensure that the cows weren't fed genetically modified corn or soy, which in my opinion is very important. Um, if you're if you're, if you're in the situation where you're purchasing uh, conventional foods, conventionally produced foods, especially animal foods, when you choose the organic option, see, organic standards don't allow genetically modified foods to be a food source. So then you're ensuring at least that. So that was number two. Number three is um, you said you found a not-so-local or your option for grass-fed, pasteurized, non-homogenized is $12 a gallon. Um, 
I'm not sure if that's close to you or you'd have to drive a ways. But what I would say is, see, the second tip was about uh, purchasing the best milk you can locally, like the store-bought that you can afford. That's no problem. And ferment most of it. And then maybe buy as much as you can of the really good $12, uh, $12 gallon milk. So if you can only afford one gallon a week, two gallons a week, that that will be the milk that you and your sons drink. So uh, like with cookies or on cereal, of course you're exploring those other options as well. Um, another tip for you is simply to pray. And I know you do this already. We all have to make these hard choices. None of us can live perfectly and choose choose perfectly. We either don't have the money or geographically we simply don't have that option um, or there's other circumstances in our life. So one of the most powerful things we can do is to pray that the Lord would bless all our efforts and the health of our entire families and our communities. And also include in your prayers that the Lord would be looking out for you and revealing future possibilities. Maybe you will find something in the future locally. And that brings me to my final suggestion, which is simply to just keep your eyes peeled. While you're doing the best you can, keep your eyes peeled for a better local option that's more affordable. You never know what's going to happen next week or next month. So I hope that was helpful, Nicole. Thank you so much for submitting the question. If you have anything else to say about it, please do visit the show notes, knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 109. And now let's take a quick break, and then I'll be right back to introduce you to my special guests. Hi, I'm Wardy, a traditional cooking expert and food blogger at ganalflins.com. For years, my family struggled with food-related health problems, but we don't anymore. And I'd love to show you that preparing whole foods with traditional methods is easy, delicious, and super good for you too. So just go to traditionalcookingschool.com slash free, and I'll show you how easily you can do it too. I'll give you five free videos that include my favorite traditional cooking techniques, plus printable at-a-glance fact sheets as a handy reference. So if you're ready to start looking good, feeling good, and most importantly, doing good, then visit traditionalcookingschool.com slash free today. All right, well, we are to the highlight of this episode. And so in just a few moments here, I'm going to turn to a uh, Skype recording of my visit with Belle Starr and Bill McDorman. And you met Bill before because he came and talked about um, saving seeds back on podcast uh, 89, knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 89, which is not required to listen to today's episode, but I know after you hear from Bill and Bell that you're going to want to. So I want to make sure to remind you to go do that. Well, Bill and Bell are um, part, actually, they are Rocky Mountain Seed Alliance. And so in the past, we I talked with Bill about saving seeds. And I know that was a popular episode because I heard from many of you who went on to take advantage of the free um, saving seed booklet that that Bill has online, and some of you even went on to purchase uh, the print version of that. You'll find all that information in episode 89 if you want a refresher. What we're going to talk about today is Bill and Bell um, have a seed school, and prior to now, their seed school has been different locations across the country or, of course, at their home base. 
but they have taken it online. And um, so it's incredible what online learning is doing for those of us who love homesteading and growing our own food and um, just participating in these traditional arts. And now Bill and Bell are offering a seed school online. Even before you start thinking about that, you're going to want to take advantage of a special free um, online session that they're offering. And so we're going to have information about that. Uh, Bill and Bell and I are going to talk about it. So you definitely want to take part in that free webinar. I'm sure you're going to listen to the end, right, and hear all the details. I'm going to give you a little bit up front here, though. They are hosting a free webinar to introduce you to great content about saving seeds all for free. And that's happening on Tuesday, April 28th. And here's a link for you to register. Knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash seed school. That will take you to a page where you can just sign up for free to attend this webinar, which is kind of like a oh, an online teleconference. And Bill is going to share great information with you about seed saving. Now, so at this point in the podcast, I'm going to turn to my visit with Bill and Belle. If you have any questions for them or for me, be sure to visit the show notes, knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 109. Hey everyone, this is Wardy. I'm so excited to be here today and I have two guests today, Bill McDormand and Belle Starr. Hi, Bill and Belle. Nice to be here, Wardy. Thank you for all your awesome work. Oh, thank you. Well, the feeling is mutual. You two do amazing things with seeds. Now, I want to tell all our listeners that Bill has actually been a guest before on Know Your Food with Wardy. He was a guest on episode 89. So be sure to check that out when you're done listening today. You know, maybe tomorrow you'll catch that one. Knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 89. We talked about seed saving. And that is what Bill and Belle do. And today, they have a great new resource to share with you. And we will get to that. But first, I just want Bill and Belle to give us a recap about who you are. So go ahead. Wow. So I'm Bill. I'll go first, I guess. Um, I've been passionate about seed saving and teaching about seed saving and somehow involved professionally with it for more than 30 years. Uh, That my path has taken me from starting several nonprofits and several small bioregional seed companies. And today, I'm mainly trying to synthesize what I've learned and make sure other people don't have to make all the mistakes I did. And that was the birth of the idea for Seed School, and that's primarily what Belle and I do now. And uh, this is Belle, in case you couldn't tell. And um, I married into this, actually. (laughs) When I met Bill over 10 years ago, I kind of inherited a seed business. Um, I personally have been involved in all kinds of environmental issues and and conservation things and and um, outreach and education and I've been a um, an environmentalist my whole life and and a gardener. I've actually been gardening since probably um, probably longer than most people listening have been alive. <laughs> I hate to admit, but um, when I met when I met Bill, he brought his small regional seed company from Idaho to Arizona. And I, I realized what an awesome educator he was. And I was always about um, public outreach and, and uh, community um, organizing. And how do we get this information out there? My professional background, actually, Wardy, is radio. Hmm. I did radio. Bill was doing seeds. I was doing radio for over 30 years as an announcer and a programmer. And, I, you know, long about... Um, 
the early 90s, as I was getting a little older, I just couldn't imagine that I was going to sit in a little room for the rest of my career announcing records. And I always wanted to do something that would have some benefit, some social benefit. And so I combined my love and passion for um, conservation and ecology with my professional background in radio. And I started putting together an environmental radio show that I syndicated around the country for about four years. And then I started getting grant money to put programs on and, and do public education. And I did a public affairs program and started working with a, an event in Northern California as a co-producer. It's called Soul Fest. Um, it's a project of the uh, Solar Living Institute. So anyway, when I met Bill, it was like, wow, a new project. <laughs> and he was such an awesome educator and so inspiring that, of course, I caught the fire. And then we started working together on, on uh, just trying to get the information out there. And so the um, origination of Seed School, Bill, you know, as he said, he realized he had become the person he was looking for some 30 years ago. And he wanted to synthesize all that information that he had that he had acquired to to uh, share it. And so we put that together. That body of knowledge was put together in 2010. And then we took it on the road to where we had our biggest client base, which was Colorado. And then my background, um, my my career happened mostly in Northern California. So we did a little traveling up there and we just started promoting the idea of this this six day event, which at the time was eight days, a little ambitious. It's now truncated to six. And so we started doing seed schools. And since the inception of the um, concept, we've graduated over 600 students in various incarnations of the program. In addition to doing the six-day event, well, we started out eight, then six. Then we started doing seed school in a day. And now, as you know, we are doing seed school online, which allows us to reach, you know, um, an amazing increase of potential students just by virtue of the access of, of technology. So that's mm -hmm. super exciting for us. Very. I want to go back just a little bit to the fact that you and Bill met each other and your your different passions and gifts were so well aligned that you could make such a success of um, spreading the message of seed saving with your professional backgrounds and just your personal interests. And I just think that's wonderful. Well, I, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a, I consider myself to be a rather spiritual person, and, and I, I always feel that our connection was, was divinely orchestrated, mm -hmm. without a doubt, without a doubt. I mean, I always wanted to work with my partner, and with all the challenges and all the craziness and the, you know, the, I mean, it's just hugely, hugely difficult at times because our work is our life, is our love, is our work. <laughs> but. But it's so rewarding. And, you know, why else be on the planet if you can't be doing great work is my is my philosophy. That's right. That's right. Yep. Bill, when go I ahead. Got, when I got started, um, there was no one to teach me. You know, we started finding seeds for our own gardens again in western Montana. I was going to college and um, we decided that uh, we wanted to make them available to everyone else. And that was the genesis for a little seed company, a new little bioregional seed company. Something that, you know, our nation and the world had way more of a couple of generations ago. It just seemed to make sense. Those seeds were adapted to where they came from. Mm -hmm. And there was no one to t uh, uh, teach me. You know, the scale had gotten so big. What I was trying to do was just irrelevant. I couldn't learn it in college. And the big companies really didn't understand what I was trying to do. 
And so 30 years later, when I realized I'd been through three small companies and a number of nonprofits, I realized that as other people were following the path and, and coming up with their own seats and wanting to make them available, that I could really help them, <laughs> that I had made a lot of mistakes. And, and so that was the idea for seed school, but it would not have happened without Bell's communication and organization skills. That's where I think we melded um, perfectly. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. So it sounds to me like um, you you learned all this for 30 years, and at some point you shifted from providing seeds to providing education. And I know you still save seeds and you probably still share seeds and all that. I don't know if you still have seed companies, but talk to us about that shift from the um, providing seeds to the education and why you think that's so important. I just wanted to interject that, you know, uh, Bill's always been an educator because he's always been really passionate about this work. So I think um, that came up through the ranks with him, the mm-hmm. ability to, to communicate the information and then the skill set that he that was needed to run a, a bioregional seed company. So, um, you know, shifting from actually, and we did sell our seed business when we went to work. We were recruited by Native Seed Search out of the Southwest, the uh, seminal seed conservation organization. And at that time, um, we were we recognized we needed to let go of our seed business, which was Seeds Trust at the time, and so and so we did. Um, so now, actually, we've been doing so much administration and so much teaching lately. Uh, we have we've moved back to where we were living before we went down to Tucson part time in the Verde Valley in Arizona, and we just can't wait to get our hands in the soil again. <laughs> so, so, so I. I had started um, high altitude gardens more than 25 years ago. That was my bioregional seed company attempt to provide seeds for people that live in a place like I grew up, which was near Sun Valley, Idaho. It's 6,000 feet in the mountains. And um, I was really happy with that. It It was more than 25 years old. And I don't think I ever would have stopped doing that or sold that had we not been recruited, Bell and I, to be the directors of Native Seed Search. And and part of that was because we had started Seed School. And with Native Seed Search and its international connections, we could amp up what we were doing and magnify the voice quickly. And I, there, we all feel this sense of urgency, I think, these days with climate change and and maybe political infighting, you know, nothing seems to be working really well. And, and it makes a lot of people feel better just to know that they have their own seeds, they can grow their own gardens, they can build a community of people around them with their own seed libraries. And so that was the real reason. It was a sacrifice for us to let go of, of our seed company um, and trade that off for education uh, opportunities. But um, I think the times demand it. I don't know any other thing. I don't want to sit here in 20 years and say, wow, we could have done more mm-hmm. because, I, you know, we're all going to have to do what we can do, I think, and still probably it'll come up somewhat short. Great. I appreciate that insight. I think I, what I'm hearing is that you have mixed feelings, but you feel good about the impact and that possibly your impact and the knowledge that you're passing on is going to be greater because of where you sit now and the path you've taken and what you've given up. 
Is that correct? That That's exactly correct. So I think one of the proudest things that we could say about our seed schools is that of those 600 graduates, there are 14 new bioregional seed companies hmm. that have been started by our students. And, and countless seed libraries and educators and people organizing seed swaps and just becoming a little bit more literate in, in the whole um, seed diversity and seed movement globally. Because it's hard to digest. There's a lot of pieces to it and it can feel over, overwhelming and intimidating. And of course, we all have our common enemies out there. And truthfully, the real, the real, um, uh, the real benefit to, to being involved in a program like Seed School is that people are empowered and we help them realize what it means to create a parallel reality. We're not into fighting. We're into being strong community activists in a way that supports this whole regional um, agriculture idea. So talk to us about Seed School specifically. Um, you started locally, you even took Seed School on the road. You are at the point of having had 600 graduates, and then recently you went through your first run of Seed School online. I would just like to get a better idea of what you actually do, what the content is like. How is it even possible to learn this online? Give us a an insider's uh, view on uh, what is possible. Good, good question. So, you know, essentially what we've done is, you know, every seed school we uh, teach, we learn something and we um, do incredible surveys. And so it's evolved and gotten better and better over the last four years. And then we condensed it into seed school in a day. And we've been doing that now for more than a year and a half or so and on the road in, in um, many different locations. And so we've got all that feedback. And then to try to stuff it all down into an online series was really quite a challenge and took way more time than we thought. But we had such rich material to draw from and experience. And so, you know, I think this is the best place to try to learn how to get from, as we call it, zero to 60 about seeds, no matter what your particular uh, wishes are about what you're going to do with it. I mean, I don't know of a better way to do this. It, it, it condenses 30 years worth of experience and then all of these schools. And so, you know, we start off with a, with a, a session, a webinar session um, called The Magic and Power of Seeds. And we try to just awe everyone with what we've learned um, that still stops us in our tracks and brings tears to our eyes about the seeds themselves and their unbelievable magical power to reproduce themselves and to change and to um, reproduce into the millions from one single seed. And we talk about the Hopi and about this uh, Florida Mayo, the sacred grandmother who had a vision about this as starting her own sacred seed vault. And, and we really try to, um, to pass through the inspiration that keeps driving us. And so that's how the program starts. Second um, session goes into the history of how we got into this mess where only three companies now own and control 78% of the world's seeds. We went from a country two generations ago where we had thousands of small seed producing entities all owned by the public. All seeds were in the public domain 
to a monopolistic system where the vast majority are owned by just a handful of companies. And so what happened and how did we get there? And we particularly focus on uh, Thomas Jefferson and some of the early great Americans and even Abraham Lincoln and the role he played in making sure that we were a great nation of seed savers. Those guys got it. They knew that if we were going to be independent, we needed our own economy. And that, in, especially in the early centuries, was based on agriculture. And if that agriculture was going to be strong, it had to have a strong, localized um, seed production system. And that's what those guys helped to build. And that's what we lost in two generations. And so we're not what we're doing with Seed School isn't anything really um, revolutionary or new in some ways. It's just going back a couple of generations and digging through the rubble of all these beautiful things and trying to get people re-inspired. And, uh, you know, I would say that that we're not doing anything different in terms of what happened in the past historically, but we are doing something very, very different in terms of the format. You know, before Bill and I launched Seed School Online, um, I did some pretty extensive research just to see if there was anything out there. We, you know, we don't want to reinvent the wheel. We got plenty of work to do. So it wasn't about like, you know, let's take on another project. And I could not find anything um, that was as cohesive as what we were proposing. I saw lots of good webinars and little video clips and things like that, but I, I didn't see anything that pulled it all together in a seven-week series. So we just felt like we were compelled to do that work. The other piece, and we'll, we'll continue with the format and, and the different sessions that we cover, but the other thing that we're starting to realize too, and some of the work that we were starting to do when we were at Native Seed Search, is just trying to find um, people to pass the baton to, again, um, there are there's a handful of really fabulous teachers out there and everybody's doing work in their own regions and trying to exponentially increase the the knowledge. However, um, we have been called to places all over the country, um, constantly getting uh, requests to bring seed school or more training. And and so we as we mentioned to you, Wardy, and and we've got some things coming up to train um, teachers, seed school teachers and we're hoping we'll be able to have another offering for that. But the whole idea is just to, again, increase seed knowledge and the potential to teach this material exponentially. And so Seed School Online for us really off, really answered that, that call. We could go from having 20 people in a classroom, which is a really nice, intimate um, setting for us for Seed School, to having you know, 200, 2,000. I mean, that's the goal is that we can we can get this material out there in a way that we can't any other way. So mm -hmm. that's super exciting. Very. So so to get back to the the curriculum, you know, Seed School Online does three things. We divided up it up into three parts. And so the the first two sessions I talked about are the how and the why. Yeah. Why you should say seeds. If you if you don't get that, you're not going to keep doing it. It has to be something that's important to you. Okay. So we so we set that foundation. The next four sessions are the how do you actually save seeds? It's the craft of it. And so we use um, all of our experience and all the people that have brought things to seed schools to try to cut through as quickly and easily and get people up and running with the skills that they'll need and then the references 
that they're going to need down the line to follow through and develop this craft themselves. And we're really proud of that part of it. Um, and I think we're really hitting our stride with it. And then the last session is what do you do once you save seeds? Because everyone has the same, I'll call it a problem at that point. You have more than you can use. <laughs> it's, this whole process is so abundant. Yes. So, so how do you share them? And so we do a, a session on seed enterprises, we call it. How are you going to um, share them in a seed exchange? Are you going to trade them with your friends? What do you need to know? Or do you want to take one step further and start a local seed library, as over 400 people have done um, in the world in the last three years? This is a very popular idea. Or do you want to take the other step, as some of our students have, and actually get involved in an enterprise and start your own small bioregional seed company. You know, these days with the internet, a packet of seeds and eBay, you're, you could sell some seeds. Hmm. And that offers an incredible way for people to start to share and some build some economic base into their local, you know, family enterprise. And so we will, um, we go through all of the major things you would need to know to do those things. And then of course, answer a lot of questions. And then too, you know, even though, even though there's, there are a lot of people out there that want to, um, take this, this information and, and maybe really make big contributions in their communities. We also have, I would say the bulk of our students and attendees for our events and things like that, um, are home gardeners. You know, they're, they're concerned about the food. They're concerned about the food system. They want to know where their food comes from. They want, to, they want to be able to grow their own food, and they want to take that just a step further so they're not locked into another system, which is the seed buying system, where we're purchasing our seeds every year. And as Bill says, you know, we're giving up the opportunity to, to take the best from one season into the next by selecting for qualities that work, by really having this wonderful interface with the seeds as we guide them and, and they give us information about the things that work for them, whether it's drought tolerance or disease resistance or flavor, <laughs> which is you know, certainly a, a big component for mm -hmm. big piece for all of us when we're as, as a foodie. I mean, that's right. why we do this. We love to we eat. We love to eat, exactly. This is, this is what this is about for us. We just love to eat. And we just see so much value in, in keeping the seed, you know, the um, actual genetic material um, locally rooted, that there's so many benefits to, to doing that and learning that, that craft. Um, and, it, you know, it has, a huge, it has a huge grounding effect and a spiritual component. And it's just, you know, and the community, you know, you create huge community around this and that's what's happening. Wonderful. Well, I appreciate that overview. So I think you covered that very well. You go into the the why and how did we get to our current situation. You cover all the hows of seed saving and then you cover enterprise. Am I correct? That's correct. That's okay. correct. And it's seven weeks and you're starting up here in May, but you've given us a great overview of seed school, but you have a free opportunity for all our listeners so yes. tell us about that that's coming up on April 28th, which is a Tuesday. Yes. Well, we, we've dubbed this particular presentation Seed Saving Hacked um, so that uh, the idea is that people can quickly slice through um, some of the issues, some of the information, some of the craft by listening to this 
hour and 15 minute webinar and and we'll touch on a lot of different aspects of the things that will be covered in the seven week series. So we want to deliver a really power packed presentation that will will root people in in the different components and and tee them up a little bit and get them excited. For example, as Bill was mentioning some of the history, we go through um, some of the uh, some of the terms. We talk about the magic of, of seed saving. We also um, will uh, will show some um, techniques that you can use. And, and uh, what well, else? Well, you'll actually learn how to save seeds from five um, common garden vegetables. So it's definitely worth it. If you just want to, if you get nothing else out of it, you'll never have to, to buy seeds again for five right. of the vegetables that most people grow in your gardens. And, and maybe the most important part of it, look, you know, we're in a world where we, we need massive change quickly. So this webinar is designed so that if this is the only thing you ever listen to, it will change your life and how you relate to the seeds in your own garden. And I think that one of the most important parts, and it took me decades to figure this out about the seed saving world, is that it will help you get in there and have confidence about what you're doing really quickly. So many seed-saving books and classes get complicated right after you get into them. You start hearing terms like, you can, or things like you can't save seeds from hybrids. Well, what's a hybrid? There may be inbreeding depression. There are minimum numbers of plants that you have to save from. Otherwise, you'll be breaking some sort of rule or, oh no, you could, you could, um, make a mistake. There could be cross-pollination. You could create a pump zini, for instance, <laughs> you know? And so we'll, we'll fly you into this or maybe great, grab your hand and walk, walk into this dark, scary forest. And turn and the lights on. And, 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 <laughs> and turn the, the lights on. Turn the lights on. <laughs> Reiterate the fact that 99.99% of all of the foods we eat were developed from wild plants by people that just saved their own seeds and none of them knew what they were doing either. <laughs> that this was before Mendelian genetics, that, that there's this nice natural interplay that happens when you start this process. And so maybe the most important thing we're going to do is give you permission to start and get you excited, teach you five things, and get you down the road. Great. So I want to reiterate to all our listeners that this free webinar, in case you don't know what a webinar is, you're basically going to have a free intro class from Bill and Bell on seed saving. And they're going to show you how to save five seeds and kind of turn the lights on and show you what's possible. I think that's really exciting and it's very generous. And if you wanna check that out, it's running on Tuesday, April 28th. And the link to that is knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash seedschool. That'll get you a free ticket to this intro course that they're gonna have online. Um, and in case you're listening to this after it's already run, definitely still go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash seed school because Bill and Bell have other things planned. So who knows what might be happening at that point. Is there anything you wanted to add, Bill and Bell? Well, there's, you know, we do, we do have a couple of websites and oh, sure. we are at, at, Bill is really active on Facebook 
And um, it's a great place for people to stay up to date uh, on things that are happening globally. He links a lot of um, information from all kinds of sources from all over the world. And uh, we have actually two sites. One is Seed Save uh, is the Facebook page, and then Rocky Mountain Seeds is the other. The websites are seedsave.org and Rocky Mountain Seeds. Dot org. So those are the two entities that we oversee. Great. And I will be sure to have all those links at the show notes. So everyone, you can just go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 109 and you'll have links to all the social media sites and the free webinar for your convenience. Isn't that great? We have all these tools now. Yeah. Um, I'm all, I've also fallen um, into Twitter. And so you can follow me at Bill McDormand, lower, all lowercase on Twitter. And I'm, um, I'm, passing on some of the best information I've ever seen to keep you up to date with how this whole drama is unfolding because uh, there's more and more legislation being introduced all over the world to give more and more control overseas to fewer and fewer people. But as I said, on the other hand, there's 400 seed libraries sprouting up in response. And so stay tuned. We'll see, we'll see how this drama unfolds. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Bell. A pleasure. Thank, Thank you, you, Wardy. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope to see you again soon. Let me tell you what you can do next. You can visit the show notes for this episode. Just go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash, and then without a space, just type the number of this episode. You'll get links and much more information about what we've been talking about. You can submit questions for future episodes. I love to answer your questions on the air. So go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash questions to submit them. You can stop by traditionalcookingschool.com to get five free traditional cooking videos from me. And finally, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, the podcast app, or Stitcher. If you're on a mobile device, just search for Know Your Food with Warty while you're in the app. If you're on a desktop, go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash iTunes right in your browser. While you're there, please do leave a rating or review. I love to get them, love to read your comments, and they're invaluable to help other people find this podcast. Thank you so much.